Um, I just wanted to share a, a testimony just for breakthrough. I just felt like God wanted me to share this this morning. Um, like it would have been about five years ago. Um, I've kept getting quite fatigued and, um, yeah, I, I was just um, quite sick. I went to the doctor and I was in quite a lot of pain. I went to the doctor and the doctor actually told me it looks like you have stage three cancer. You know, she didn't even like kind of filter that. She was just like, she just looked at me and she said, do you have children? And I said, no. And she said, husband? I'm like, no. And she said, okay. She said, this, this is what, you know, I got scans and all of these things. And, and, uh, and I remember my mother had some issues as well and she had to get some parts removed, um, which the doctor then told her that she couldn't have children. And, um, and then I thought, what? And, she, and the doctor said, yeah, it looks like this, but we'll keep doing tests, we'll keep doing you know, medication and all of this stuff. And I just thought, Lord, this, like cancer, okay, but no children. I was like really upset. And I was like, the devil will not, um, the devil will not have his way here. So I just felt to go home and, and pray and like just soak. And so I, I went home. I didn't tell many people. Um, I told my, my parents and um, yeah. And then I, I just felt to worship the Lord and just stay there and, and just align myself with the word kind of like what um, uh, Sammy was sharing last week about aligning our spirit with the word and walking that out, truly believing, yeah, that, the, you know, what God says is true and will come to pass. And um, and it was just incredible. I started doing the medication and I think it was about six weeks later, um, I was just like, Lord, this is not going to be my story. This is not going to be my story. And my mum's story was that um, she was told by many people that she was barren and then she met my dad who's a great man of faith and then uh, he said, I know a good doctor and his name's Dr. Jesus. And, um, and then, you know, my mum ended up having us three children. And he was sharing a bit of his, that story last week, but, you know, even the doctor, the Jewish doctor that was seeing my parents became a messianic Jew. So he's a Jew for Jesus and we're still in touch and it's amazing and God is good. And, you know, six weeks after I had received that news, I was just like, that is not my story, Lord. Like, you are good. You are a miracle worker. And I just didn't let, I could have easily let it take me over and just sit there. And I know for some people that the journey might be longer, but I just felt to keep positioning my heart to trust that God is faithful and will bring the breakthrough and then six weeks later, I go for more tests. And normally you have to go in to get your, your results. But um, the doctor called me because it was quite a far away way. And um, she said, I just want to save you the trip. But she said, what have you been doing in the past six weeks? And I said, uh, I've been praying and I've been uh, worshipping. <laughs> and she was like, uh, anything else? And I said, no, just more praying. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and she said, okay, well, I just, I just, it, it's all clear. It's all clear. You know, they were talking about removing parts and, you know, all of these things. And I was just like, no, Lord, like you are good. Your faithful love endures forever. And yeah, I just wanted to encourage anyone that needs breakthrough that his faithful love endures forever. And thank you. That was, um, yeah, you must be listening to the Holy Spirit because that testimony aligns perfectly with what I'm speaking about. 
um, today. I don't actually need that so it can stay down there. Um, I'm really honoured to speak to you guys this morning. And if you were at church a couple of weeks ago, I actually shared this word. So um, I think our generation really loves reruns. So welcome to the rerun of my message. Um, So if you have your Bible with you, could you please open to Luke chapter 1, where we're going to get stuck in to his word. How good is God? So good, hey? He's so good. Not just because his word says he's good, but we've experienced the goodness of God. And I love what you're seeing this morning, Jazz, that he is for you. He's actually on our side. He's not like waiting for us to slip up so that he can like feel like you're the worst. He's not like that. He's actually for us. All right. So if you're in Luke chapter one, I'm just going to read for a little bit. So... Follow along in in your Bibles, please. Um, Verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was one of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So we have Zacharias and his wife, Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. Wow. Wow. If someone says about me that I was righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless, what a testimony to these two. That's amazing. Let's read on. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the, and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the time of incense. So Zacharias, he's a priest. It's his turn to go into the temple and burn incense to the Lord. What a beautiful thing for this, whole, this, this man of God who walks blameless to have the opportunity to go and burn incense on behalf of the people who are praying outside. Let's see what happens. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, fear not, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son and you shall call his name John. And there shall be joy and gladness and many shall rejoice at his birth for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah and sorry, Isaiah and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Wow. An angel shows up to him with a word from heaven saying that your greatest desire, the greatest desire of you and your wife's heart is going to be accomplished. Your biggest dream, the thing that you have waited so, so long for, that you have prayed for your whole life, it's going to happen And he's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And there's an assignment on his life 
this is such good news, right? He didn't, he's not just getting a son. He's getting like John the Baptist and he's going to, you know, turn the hearts of children to their fathers and the wicked to the Lord. This is fantastic. Like if you came to church this morning and an angel showed up to you and was like, guess what? That one thing that you've been praying for for the last decade, I'm going to do it. I've come from heaven to, to tell you that it's going to happen. And it's so good. It's better than you could have ever imagined. But Zacharias's response was in verse 18, he said, And Zacharias said to the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. Other versions are like, oh, how can this be? Because we're old. That's his response. That's his response to the word of God. It's like, what? How? And Gabriel goes, the angel answered him and says, um, I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God. And I'm sent to speak unto you and show these glad tidings. Like he's like, you, you know, you kind of feel for Gabriel in the moment. And you're like, wow, man, you really got a tough response that day. You know, like tough crowd there. Because he's like, ah, yes, I get to bring this great news down to Zacharias. And Zacharias is like, oh, no, man, kind of old. Really? Really? And it's so easy for us to stand here and kind of like laugh and be like, that was really his response. He kind of missed it. But I want to just challenge you guys. What's your response this morning? And so this morning I'm going to talk about what's our response to the word of God when it comes. Because we don't actually need an angel to come from heaven and speak the word to us because we have God's word right here. And your response is your response. You get to choose daily whether you're going to respond like Zacharias and be like, oh, I'm too old. And some of us in here are like, oh, I'm too young. Some of us are like, oh, I'm too blonde. I'm too poor. I'm too, you know, you know, fill in the blank. That's actually, you know, I'm not going to say it's not the right response, but, you know, it's not the right response. And the angel, what he did, and he goes, and behold, so, Zach, so the angel's like, oh, okay, really missed the point, like really missed it. And you shall be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because you believed not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. His mouth was closed until John was born. Because God couldn't have this doubt coming out of his mouth and getting in the way of his miracle. Um, the psalmist says, should have set this up before. In Psalm 141, verse 3, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth, keep the door of my lips. Wow. How many of us need to do that? We need to set a watch over our mouth. What's coming out of our mouth? Are we destroying our own miracles with our words? Are we actually removing the word of God that wants to come to fruition in our lives because we're just responding with doubt? Oh, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm just too tired. I'm too this, you know. Zacharias, it was, oh, I'm just too old. How can this be? But God wanted to see that miracle come forth, and it did. If we look um, over in verse 34 of chapter 1, Gabriel had someone else to tell about an exciting pregnancy. Um, the angel Gabriel came to Mary and told her that she was actually going to be the mother of the saviour of the world. Wow, so exciting. But let's look at her response in verse 34. 
I'm sorry, in verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed. What a beautiful faith-filled response from Mary. Be it unto me according to thy word. It's so good. And then if you've read the rest of Luke, you'll find out that Mary and Elizabeth went and hung out and they had their faith babies together. Um, And, you know, and John fulfilled the prophecy over his life. And Jesus was born the saviour of the world. And, you know, if you're a Christian in the room today, can I just say that if you believe that God is, you know, created the world and that Jesus is the son of God, that he died and rose again. You know, you've already walked in faith in that because the Bible says that this is how you'll be saved. That in Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, it says, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved because with the heart man believes unto salvation, unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if you've given your life to the Lord, you've actually already walked in faith. You've actually already responded to His Word, right? Because you've believed it in your heart and it's come out of your mouth that Jesus is your Lord. So you've actually already kind of gotten over like the hardest part, you know, because you're already walking in faith. And when Jesus walked on the earth, he, he taught his disciples what that looks like to then walk it out, you know, in the rest of their lives, not just in salvation, but in every single area of their lives. Jesus showed his disciples what it looked like to heal the sick. Jesus showed his disciples what it looked like to raise the dead. You know, he even showed them how to walk on water. And if you guys want to turn to the book of Mark chapter 11, Jesus um, had actually just spent a little bit of time speaking to a tree, which seems a little bit strange. Has anyone ever yelled at their car because it wasn't working? Mm, Okay, also a little bit kooky. But do you know what? That's not actually considered kooky, yelling at your car when it's not working. Do you know what is considered kooky? Is actually speaking to your car and telling it that it's a good car. Car, you're a blessing to me. You go the distance. With long life, you will be satisfied. You know, you're, you're a blessing to me, Kai. You don't break down on the harbour bridge. You know, that would be, people, if you actually started talking to your car in a positive way, everyone would be like, that's super weird. But when someone's like kicking the tyre, yelling at it, oh, that's totally normal. So weird, isn't it, this world we live in where, but Jesus actually showed his disciples how to speak to objects, how to speak to a tree. And then in verse 22, he wanted to teach them a lesson about faith. And Jesus answered them and said, have faith in God. 
For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, but shall not doubt in their heart, but believe those things which he has said shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he said. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. And you might be like, oh, you know, he wasn't, you know, that wasn't, that's not for us. Hang on a second. Was salvation for you? Yeah. Did you believe it in your heart and say it out of your mouth? Yeah. You've already done this, guys. And Jesus is saying that it's not just for salvation. It's for every area of your life. Whatsoever. Whatsoever. You say, when you pray, believe it. It's like a twofold. You've got to believe it and it's got to come out of your mouth. What did Zacharias actually believe? He actually believed he was too old and it came out his mouth. But he knew the story of Abraham because he walked before the Lord and he knew God's word. But had he been dwelling on the story and the miracle of Abraham's faith? You know what the word says about Abraham in um, in Hebrews 11, it said that God called something that be not as though it were. So when God changed Abram's name to Abraham, that changed his name to the father of many nations. So God was actually calling Abraham something that he wasn't yet. So every time Abraham introduced himself to someone else, he's like, hi, I'm the father of many nations. And they're all like, does he know he doesn't have any kids? How embarrassing. Not really, because Abraham made it in the Bible and he's actually referred to as the father of faith. But God said, God literally changed his name and God called something that be not as though it were. Faith in Hebrews 11 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's calling something that isn't as though it was. When Lani got that... um, result from the doctor and she said no this is not my story God writes my story she went to the word what does the word say about your health that it's done by the stripes that Jesus bore you were healed he said that about you and she believed it because she heard she put it in her heart and she it came out of her mouth in worship and in prayer and it it was unto you according to his word, right? Just as Mary said, be it unto me according to your word. Let that be the posture of our hearts, family. Let this be a family of faith. Um, I love this preacher. And one time he said that he feels like he literally grew up in the household of faith when the Bible refers to the household of faith. And it really resounded with me because I was like, oh, same. Because the household that I grew up in, my parents took hold of the word of God. And when we came home from school and we said something that really wasn't acceptable to be said in our household, but all the kids at school were saying it. And our parents wouldn't just say like, we don't say that here. They said, you know what, that's okay for everyone else at school to speak like that but in this family we don't speak like that in this household we actually speak what God's word says over situations if I was sick and I didn't want to go to school I would like come out to my mum instead of be like I'm sick I would be like so um I know that by the stripes that Jesus bore I'm healed (laughs) 
but I'm not feeling 100%, can I please stay home? <laughs> and you actually had a better chance of staying home if you like proclaim the word of God first. Like, uh, like ask joy, it's true. Um, and that's just the way we were raised because God's word works and we believe it. And so if you actually genuinely were sick and you stayed home, you didn't get to watch TV because TV doesn't build your faith. Sorry if this is a new slash for someone. It's not going to build your faith. God's word builds your faith. So you had to stay in bed with a pile of Christian magazines with testimonies about how other people receive their healing by faith. <laughs> Literally. So good. It's so good because they taught me in the household of faith how to speak out God's word, how to hide it in my heart, believe it and speak it. And I want to invite you guys, if you have lived a life where you're like, wow, I really should set a watch over my mouth. You know, if you think maybe your response thus far has been Zacharias's response, oh, I'm to this, I'm to that. Just leave that outside. That's okay if the world talks like that. But I want to invite you into this family this family of faith, we actually speak differently here. We actually say what God says about our lives. We actually say what God says about healing. We actually, whatever area of your life that you need to see the mountain moved in, we say what God says about the mountain. We don't, you know, we don't say what the world says. And I want to tell you a story um, about a friend of mine I actually work in agriculture, if you don't know me. And um, so I was at my work Christmas party and chatting to one of the guys that works in logistics. And I'd seen him around. He was a few years ahead of me at university. And we were chatting out on the balcony at the Christmas party. And someone said, oh, tell her, tell her the story. I said, oh, tell me what story. Anyway, a few years ago, Tom proceeds, he'd gone back home for harvest which was really standard when we're at uni. All the guys I went to uni with would go back to their parents' big farms and just work um, on harvesters and whatnot over the summer break. So he'd been home for harvest and he was about to be on the tractor all week and working with his dad, but he needed a new pair of boots. So they'd gone into town, all the way into town, to get new boots and they didn't have the ones he wanted in his size. He wanted like leather sole boots, but they only had the rubber sole boots. And they said, well, we can order them in for you. And he said, well, that's no use because I've got to go back out to the property. And I don't know if it was an hour out to his place, but he thought, I'm working all week. I'll just buy the ones that you have in my size and be done with it. So he bought the boots, went, worked all week um, harvesting, getting the grain into the silos. And that weekend they had a big, a big family dinner. So it had rallies coming over. And they saw that a storm was about to blow through their property. So his dad said to him, hey, Tom, jump in the ute. We're going to go close all the silos. Silos are grain storage facilities. Close them so the grain doesn't get wet and wrecked by the storm that was coming in. So Tom hopped in the car with his dad, drove around, closed all the silos, and they were heading back to the homestead for tea when Tom just had to close one more gate as they went through back up. And as he went over and was closing the gate, this storm was right on top of them and a lightning bolt struck him and blew him like 30 feet over. And his dad ran over to him, genuinely thought he was dead. They got an ambulance, took him to hospital. The soles of his boots had blown right off. And because he had the rubber sole boots on, literally saved his life. 
And the doctor, he was fine. He recovered, had a full recovery. Really nice guy. Thinks really logically. Really good worker. No issues there. And you know what he said to me? Really laissez-faire at the end of the story. He goes, you know what was really funny, Anna? As he's, you know, throwing another one back and he's got a ciggy. And he said, you know what's really funny? As I left to get in the ute, I said to my mum, yeah, I'd probably get hit by lightning. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you will have what you say. You will have what you say. It works in every situation. And if there's something in your life at the moment and you're like, I don't know how I got here, maybe we need to set a watch over our mouths. Maybe what you're walking in is a result of the way that you've been speaking. Maybe we need to think about, hang on, what's coming out of our mouths? Is it the word? Am I speaking what God says about situations? Or am I just throwing away sentences like, oh, lol, maybe I get hit by a lightning. It's really important that we learn to speak the way God speaks. Parents with children, I want to give you a bit of an example um, that I think might help us understand this a little bit better. Imagine that you have a nanny, a live-in nanny, and she speaks Japanese and doesn't speak any English. And you, you guys both work and you work so long hours that your child ends up learning a few Japanese words, you know, instead of like their first words are like mama, dada, but then they start going like arigato and then they start like speaking, you know, pass me the rice at dinner, but in Japanese and you're like, I'm not really sure what they want. Because they're spending so much time with the nanny that doesn't speak English, your child starts speaking another language, which is really cute for a two-year-old to speak another language and you're like, oh, great, I'm going to have a bilingual child. It's going to be the cool one at school. But what happens if you don't actually teach them English as well, you can't understand your child. And this would probably create a problem eventually when the nanny leaves and you have a fluent Japanese-speaking child and they tell you how their day was at school but you don't really know what they said. And they keep saying, Mom, I don't want Vegemite sandwiches anymore. I want like a, a tuna sushi roll for lunch tomorrow. <laughs> but you don't know what they're saying, so you keep giving them Vegemite sandwiches. But actually, this uh, is hilarious, yeah. But we've grown up in the world and we're actually speaking the language of the world. But we're God's children. And he speaks the language of faith. And it's not that God isn't bilingual. He can actually understand you when you speak, you know, no matter what language it is. But it doesn't move him when you come to him just complaining about your circumstances. Jesus is moved by faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, it's our faith that pleases God. And I don't know about you guys, but I really want to live a life that pleases my Father God. I really want my life to be a life of faith and know that it pleases him. In Mark 10, Jesus encountered someone. Actually, I actually won't do that. Sorry, I'm going to do this story. In Matthew 8, there's a story of um, a centurion that's referred to and he had a conversation with Jesus. And you might have read this story before if you want to follow along. It's um, Matthew 8 verses 5 through 13. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I'll come and heal him. 
Great response. Yeah, Jesus, going to come and heal him. So good. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Wow. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. There are very few times in the Bible when it says that Jesus marveled or Jesus was moved. There are a lot of times when Jesus said to his disciples, oh, ye of little faith, right? We all know those stories and you're just like, oh, it's really all good for them. You know, and Jesus wasn't condemning them. He was just, come on, guys, come on. Let's get your faith going. Haven't you seen what I've done thus far? Haven't you seen the miracles, feeding thousands of people, raising people from the dead? Get your faith up here, you know, get get amongst it. Use your words. But with the centurion, I don't know if he'd spent any time around Jesus. I don't know if he'd seen the miracles or not. He must have heard about him saying, hey, Jesus, I know that you can heal. But it was his faith that moved Jesus. And Jesus said to the centurion, go thy way as you have believed, so be it done unto you. And his servant was healed the selfsame hour. Come on, that's so good. That's so good. The centurion, I don't even know what his name was. How funny. But he's in the word and it says that his faith made Jesus marvel. In Mark 10, Jesus encounters another person. Mark 10, 46. And they came to Jericho and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried out a great, more a great deal. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he's called you. It's a pretty straightforward story. A blind person is calling out to Jesus and Jesus said, It's okay, bring him over. And he casted away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, What is it that you want? What should I do unto you? Jesus, his name is literally blind Bartimaeus. I don't know if you guys have ever met someone who's blind, but it's like pretty obvious. And even if it wasn't obvious that he was blind, Jesus knew things, you know, son of God probably realized that this guy was blind. Why did Jesus ask him, what does he want? Because he needed to hear him say it. It was so important that he confessed what he wanted because sometimes we think that we know what we want from God, but when we come to him, we don't actually ask in faith. We just complain about other stuff. We just speak some sort of gobbledygook to God and it's just, you know, oh, this person works really annoying and, oh, hey, God, this is how I'm feeling. James feeling like this and, you know, that's, that's fine, but it doesn't actually, it doesn't please God. Because it's our faith that pleases him. And Jesus said to him, go thy way. Thy faith has made you whole. 
and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Come on, that's so good. Um, A little while ago, maybe um, a year and a half, two years ago, I was quite bored with my role. Um, In the company that I work for, I've moved around through a lot of different departments. I've worked on quite a few different projects. And because I kind of get bored easily, I think they know that it's good to keep me moving. Anyway, I'd been in this team for quite a while and I was a bit frustrated. I hadn't really prayed about it either. But I was a bit frustrated with the monot- like how monotonous my work, my working life was. Anyway, I picked up a devotional that I really never read. I'm not a big devotional person, but I picked it up one day and I thought, oh, you know, I'll just flick it open and read today's devotional. It was a Joseph Prince de- devotional and he spoke about, so Joseph Prince is a pastor of a church in Singapore, a big mega church. But before he was a pastor, he worked in like IT. Um, And so when he worked in IT, he was talking about how he just rose so quickly for such a young age age to the top of his company um, and how the Lord just favoured him and honoured him and everything he set his hand to. But he'd been um, speaking what God says about him over his work life in the mornings. So he'd thank the Lord for favour at work, that he had favour with God and man, that God wanted the best for him, that the Lord would raise him up in his company so that he could have, you know, be able to bless more people. And so he just rose to the top of his company. So I thought, oh, maybe I should try this and see if it works. You know, sometimes you're like, I just try it and see if it works. So that week for the next five days, on my way into work, I would pray in the morning and say, all right, Lord, I just thank you that you have a reason for me to be at this company, um, that you give me favour with God and man, that you have a plan for me, that I'm a blessing to those around me. And by the end of that week, I got a pay rise, totally out of the blue. They usually only do pay rise like once a year at their set time. I got a pay rise. I was like, yeah, this is really good. This this kind of must work. And I got moved onto a project that was totally out of the blue. Someone just had suggested me and said, oh, why don't you talk to Anna? And I got moved onto this project that I had the, it was just fantastic. And it really stretched my brain and I loved it. And, you know, I would just challenge you guys that whatever you're facing, whether you're bored at work, whether it's a family issue, whatever you're walking in, I would just encourage you to get in the word and find out what does God actually say about this situation? Just like Lani did. What does God say? What, is, what does God say about her health? What does God say about blessing the fruit of her womb? In Proverbs 18:21, it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. I can't, I'm not making it up. If you want to check it, check it yourself. Don't get angry at me for this. You know, read the word. It's if the Bible says it, it's truth. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And in Deuteronomy 30, in Deuteronomy 30 verses 19, the Lord said, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, life and death, Blessing and cursing. He sets it before us. And he said, therefore, choose life. It's not a trick question, guys. It's like, here's the test and here's the answer. I wish my HSC was like that. 
right? Because it's like, but this is when we sing the song, the blessing, God is for you. He actually is for you. This word of God is not going to destroy your life if you spend time in it. The Bible actually says that God's word is life to those who find it and health to all their flesh. This will actually make you physically healthy. This will actually make you spiritually healthy and strong if you spend time in it. But spending time in just like watching reruns on Netflix isn't going to make you spiritually strong. If you don't feel well, if you're like, I feel a bit sick. Having a bowl of ice cream and watching Friends reruns is going to make you feel better in the moment, but isn't going to actually heal you. Jesus has already provided healing at the cross and confessing his word and spending time in his word and spending time in his presence is going to bring about that healing in your life. And if you're like, oh, I'm totally healed, I'm totally whole, I've got no issues, great. Speak to any mountain in your life and if you're like, and I've got no mountains, I've already accomplished all this, great, grab someone. Grab someone in this family who's walking through something and stand in faith with them and speak to their circumstances for it to change. If you're literally like, I don't, I'm good, I'm healed, whole, everything, all that, life's all Gucci, that's great. Grab someone else because we're in this together. Yeah, we're a family of faith, right? We've got to teach each other how to stand on the word. We've got to say, you know, if there's someone who really is like, I just can't do it myself, great, I'll meet up with you. I'll write out the confessions. Sam actually shared uh, last week about how the Lord spoke to him about speaking God's word over his life and his life will align with the word of God. And he's now got, are you doing daily confessionals? Yeah. Daily confessing God's word? Yeah. Are you seeing change in your life? Yeah. Wow. If you want to know what to write down on your, you know, if you need some scriptures, go talk to Sam. You can ask me. Get in here. Google it. You know, you can Google scripture. That's okay. That's actually allowed. If you can't find the verse, you can tap into Google. It'll pop up for you. It's like cheating, but it's good. (laughs) Choose life. Jesus said in Matthew 12, O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say unto you, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment." For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. There's no condemnation in that, guys, but it's a warning. It's a warning and it's a reminder of the importance of the words that we speak. If I'm going to be justified or condemned by my words, I know which words I want to be speaking. It's these ones. It's what he says about me. And I want to be speaking what he says about you. Because the Bible says with the same mouth, how can you bless God and curse your brother? It doesn't actually make any sense. We need to be blessing God and blessing those around us. And we can keep each other in check. You know, if you're hanging out with someone and they don't have anything good to say about someone else, say, well, actually, 
let's say what God says about that person and see their lives change. You know, imagine if your child was annoying and you just told everyone constantly how annoying your child was. They're just so annoying and they never do this and they never listen to me. Guess what? Your child will continue to be annoying and they will never listen to you because you're speaking it out and you may think that they can't hear you, but they probably can. But God doesn't say we're annoying and that we don't listen to to him. He says that we're so loved. He says that we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. His word only has good things to say about you and me. But we need to choose to believe it, just like we did when we became a Christian. Believe in our heart and say it out of our mouths. So get his word in your heart. If you don't know how to get his word in your heart, it goes in through your eyes and it goes in through your ears. Listen to it. That's how it goes in. And it will come out. And I, it's really quick to, it's really easy to tell if someone's been reading the word when you hang out with them. It's really easy because it comes out of their mouth. Yeah. It's really easy to learn if someone's been watching the batchy because it comes out of their mouth. Oh, did you see this? It's really good. It's, you know, you find out where people's favorite coffee spot is really quickly because they believe it's the best coffee spot and it comes out of their mouth. Have you been to this place? It's really good. It's really good coffee. It's really good coffee. It's probably the best coffee on all the beaches. People say that because they believe it. There's nothing wrong with talking about coffee, but imagine if we actually let this get into our hearts, if we actually believe what his word said about people, if when we hung out with our friends, we actually spent time encouraging them. You're loved. You're righteous. You've been made righteous. It's not something you did. What Jesus did for you on the cross, you're healed. You know, Lani, how good would it have been when you had that diagnosis and you knew that you could call like 10 people up and they would all be like, I'm standing in faith. We're standing on the word of God. We're standing on what God's word says about your circumstances. And they didn't give you like a pity party response. That's not what we need. We don't actually need sympathy from people. We need them to respond in faith because faith changes circumstances. Faith moves the mountains. It's actually by faith that we've been saved through grace. Walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible says that this is the victory that's overcome the world, even our faith. And it's our faith that pleases God. Um, I'm just going to, yeah, I just want to pray for you guys really quickly. Yeah, can you stand? Can we all stand? Is that all right? Yeah, if you've been, if you feel like the words that have come out of your mouth haven't given God glory and have just been glorifying circumstances recently, or if you feel like you've learned to speak the, the, the language of the world, but you haven't really been raised to speak the language of faith, um, why don't we just Do you guys want to just close your eyes? There's so much grace. There's no condemnation. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This isn't me being like, set a watch over your mouth. No, that's so silly. 
Like it's it's about us making a, a decision in our hearts and in our minds today that we're actually going to set a watch over our mouth because we want to see negative circumstances in our lives change for his glory. Because Zacharias and Elizabeth's story glorifies God. John the Baptist lived a life that glorified God. He fulfilled the prophecy of God on his life. We want to raise children that fulfill the prophecy of God on their lives. And I am so sure that Elizabeth and Zacharias spent years speaking over John what the angel Gabriel had told them would come to pass. I'm so sure of that. Let's be people that speak God's word over our children. Let's not say, that's so annoying. Let's say, they're blessed abundantly. This child is a blessing in my life. If you don't have children, speak it about your friends. If your parents are annoying, speak it about your parents. Say that my parents are a blessing. If your parents aren't in the kingdom, pray them in. Speak what God's word says about them. If there is someone in your life that you want to see in church or you want to see something change in their life, pray over them. Speak God's word over them. Lord, I just thank you right now that your word is good. God, that you are good. Lord, that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus. God, I thank you that there's no other way to come to you but through Jesus, Lord. And faith in him is the way. Lord, I thank you that I don't have to do anything but walk in faith, Lord, and it pleases you. Lord, that it's not a works gospel. It's not faith plus works. It's just faith. God, I thank you that you're a man of your word, God, that we can hold you accountable for your word, Lord. We can tell you what your word says and you'll see it to pass because your word doesn't return to you void, but it accomplishes all that is set forth to accomplish. The Bible says God is not mocked. Whatever you will sow, you will reap. That works for words as well. What words you sow out into your life, you'll reap a harvest in the future. Family, let's sow words of life. Let's sow words of love. Let's sow words of encouragement. Let's choose to speak what God says about a situation. When we realise what His Word says about us, let's receive it by faith. Let's not miss it like Zacharias. Let's not say I'm too old. Let's say God says I am made righteous by his blood. God's word says I am healed. I am whole. I've been delivered. I've been set free. God, may our lives bring you glory. Lord, may we be children of faith. Children that speak the language of faith, Father. I might just ask Jazz to come up and join the team. And there's a song that I've asked these guys to sing. And um, I'm sorry, there's no words, but the song is called Man of Your Word. And it's a song about God. And I don't know if you've ever showed up at a restaurant and waited 45 minutes for the person to show up for dinner. 
and it's really awkward because they said they'd be there at six o'clock and it's 6.45 and they're not there and you're waiting. Those friends are okay, but you really appreciate the ones that show up on time, right? And when, you know, how good is it when someone is a man of their word, when they say it and they do it? We love having people in our lives that do what they say. And let me tell you, God always does what He says He will do. So let's remind Him. In your week this week, I just wanna encourage you, church, to remind Him of what His Word says. If you don't know what His Word says, just pick it up and read it. Find out. What does His Word say about you? What does His Word say about your family, your circumstances? Believe 
just feel for a few of you, you like might struggle with the practicality of what this looks like in your life. So I want you guys to say this with me. Um, this is Psalm 23. This can be used literally in like, just grab the word, let's find out what it says, let's apply it to our lives. All right, so verse one says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Just say it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Come on, that's so good. He's our shepherd. I shall not want means that I lack nothing. I lack nothing. I want for nothing. Come on, that's so good. Verse 2, He makes me lie down in green pastures. Just say it. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me beside still waters. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you, God, for that. Verse three, He restores my soul. Say it. He restores my soul. He is the God who has restored your soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Say it. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Come on, paths of righteousness. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Doesn't matter what you're walking through. Do 